welcome to the show. Morning, Don. How are you? Very good. So, um, uh, welcome. Uh, and uh, you know, Ben, uh, you've uh, re recently, most recently, you've been at um, the CIO of Yahoo. But apparently, there's been some events happened in the last week or so. So you have some exciting news to share. Maybe you can give us a little bit of an update. You've been on the show before about uh, how, how things are going. Uh, give us the news um, uh, and tell us what you know what's going on with you. Yeah, so um, exciting times, really busy uh, right now. Um, so Yahoo was purchased by Verizon uh, and the deal closed last Tuesday. So we're nice and fresh and uh, getting into some deep merger um, work. And we're effectively combining uh, AOL and Yahoo together to form a new company called Oath. Uh, which is a house of at least 50 brands, of which I still don't know all of them, but people know brands like TechCrunch and Huffington Post, and uh, you know we have Yahoo Finance, Yahoo Sport. It's just an amazing opportunity to bring uh, two giants together and uh, yeah, get some uh, awesome stuff working. Oh, fantastic. So, um, so yeah, that sounds like a, a big new responsibility. Um, can you give yeah. us kind of of you know how big an IT um, empire that is for you to, to, to manage? Yeah, so it's um, you know very similar companies um, and similar size. Uh, we'll we'll end up with somewhere between fourteen thousand employees, I think, um, and uh, globally, and we have about. Uh, you know, what I know so far, 800, you know, applications across the companies that we now have to merge together and uh, we have to get you know, everyone productive as, as fast as we can and also keep revenue, revenue moving, of course. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot to do uh, at a global scale, which is really exciting and uh, gives us the ability to also um, time to change to, to do things we maybe couldn't have done when you're keeping the lights on and um, there's just all these reasons now to make some really big hairy moves and you know put some draw some lines in the sands and, and get things moving and shut down tech debt. So it's actually yeah, really exciting to to get into this. All right. So so the big news is CIO of Oath now. Yes. Um, and uh, they're uh, you're primarily a media and technology company. Correct. So that, that 14,000 employees kind of is, is, is very different in terms of the amount of IT you have for employees, probably much higher than it would be in a traditional organization. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's, um, there's, a, there's a lot of similarities, and, but there's also a lot more demands when you have thousands of engineers that are you know, extremely technical, obviously, and um, they have very high expectations. And you also have, but we have a traditional sales team and marketing team and finance team. Um, but the DNA of the company is different because everyone wants to be as efficient as possible, digital. And it, it's just great to work in that environment because you have less explaining on the why, like why do we have to automate this process? You have more to do around, well, why can't it happen now? And we know how technology will works and everyone knows everything so um, there's a different pressure but a, a, a more positive pressure of like yeah we just want to get it done and um, less explaining which is awesome 
Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, yes, uh, for those of you just joining us, uh, we've got uh, Ben Haynes, uh, CIO of Oath, um, his new role. Uh, we'll be taking your questions on Twitter, uh, the CXO hashtag, if you look at that or post there, we'll be monitoring Twitter and, and I'll ask Ben your questions. Uh, so, so Ben, the, um, you know, the core role of the CIO today, one of the things you said was interesting to me about keeping the revenue flowing. And I mm -hmm. think that, that there's this sense now that uh, CIO has to be much more involved in P&L than ever before, you know, and some companies put a chief digital officer in place for that. How does that work for you? Are you, are you primarily responsible for digital P&L or do you, is there a chief digital officer too, or are you guys trying to figure all that out right now? No, we, we have, mul it's too big a job for one person. And with multiple platforms um, across the company and all our different uh, properties and brands, it's, it's not a one person job. And, and I believe everyone at this company has to be thinking like a chief digital officer and how do we monetize advertising on, on all our different platforms. So the CIO role at this company really plays a major enabling role. So how, when we're, when we're in a merger situation, it's how does, you know, employee A get access to all these systems that are on the Yahoo side where, but they're an AOL employee and week one, it's, it's just really hard to make all that happen. Um, uh, but, you know, we've got to keep selling and we've got to merge sales teams together and make sure that everyone can get to what they need to get to and uh, things don't break. So, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of enabling in, in this environment. Yeah, what, that sure sounds like a lot of what we call business continuity, right? Making right. sure everything's, the lights are on and the infrastructure is running. Um, so where, you know, how, how are you going to manage innovation and pushing the company forward these days internet and media companies have to be moving at light speed yeah. you know not trying to get the people to access to applications um you know, that's is that gonna be a challenge for you or yeah so we're, we're working through different phases and the the initial couple of months really is is about that business continuity and then we're going very aggressive on what is our long-term strategy so when you look at all the applications we have uh, you know, we don't need two ERP systems. So how, how do we quickly get to one? Um, and that, that helps us when you want to move fast. We don't have a lot of time for analysis. We don't have to, we can't overthink these things. And we can just move with what is the best, um, best product to use. And also the best practices in process because uh, teams get caught up a little bit on, you know, we know the best way to do this and our world is the, our process is the best process in the world, which is awesome. Um, but some things just need to work. And so we can move things really quickly by adopting uh, a lot more standards. And uh, especially when we, it comes to the plumbing, I call it, but adopt the standards as fast as we can and then move into the, the pieces that really start to differentiate. Um, the business and, and help move the business forward. So the speed is a major catalyst um, to make some decisions and, um, you know, cut things, cut bad habits and bring in new processes and new technologies as needed. Yeah. So that's uh, it's the speed is, uh, and agility is kind of the, the, the term that's in vogue for, uh, you know, moving more quickly. Uh, I asked the uh, top 50 CIOs that I could find. I think I included you in that uh, survey, Ben. Uh, mm -hmm. about whether they're feeling pressure this year to move quickly. And 96% said uh, they felt either strong or very strong, 63% right. very, very strong pressure to move much more quickly in 2017. How are you dealing with that? Um, you know, 
what is a, you know, what, what tools are in your tool chest to, that you're bringing to bear to, to help move more quickly or what are you, what are you experimenting with? Um, look, it all starts funnily enough with people and helping explain uh, why some things need to happen faster than others. And also making sure everyone understands why, like, why do we have to move fast? If finance has an objective that sales isn't aware of, and finance is trying to move faster than sales, that sales needs to be aware of why that's important and get everyone on board. And, you know, once you get that communication and collaboration across departments, and this is a really, um, it's especially, I, I believe, all IT and, and CIOs really hone in on is we, we work across all these departments and we have that visibility. So we've got to make sure everyone understands why we're doing this first. Otherwise, people start to block things. And once we get them on board, um, then we look at, you know, what are the next tools that we're and systems we need to move with. And some things, you know, some things just take, take time and you've got to work through, you know, systems or record can, can be challenging. Um, but, you know, if everyone understands why we're doing it, then the business can also give on some of those things that they really think they want. But, you know, if I use Workday for an example, you can do some amazing things in there or, and spend a year configuring it, or you can spend three months and get it working, and then let's iterate. And so you start to bring some of the um, agile concepts really into some really traditional platforms. And it's like, guys, let's just get that foundation in, and then let's iterate on top and have that schedule. So it's not, it's not spending a year getting the perfect solution and everyone really loses interest. It's getting that base in and moving forward. Yeah, and you know one of the interesting things about agility is that you know this big put, uh, the the goal is to do to build the right thing for the customer, provide the right thing to the, cu the customer with whatever resources that you have. Right. And I've had developers come to me saying, I don't like having to redo it things over and over again until it's right. You know, the, the, and this this is kind of the, the uh, you know the old throw it over the wall mentality we had. Right. You know, do we have to unlearn or rethink some of our old preconceptions in IT? Um, to modernize, uh, and if so, what what are what are those things that I think IT that you think IT needs to kind of change? Yes, we we definitely need to unlearn the uh, you know the, the traditional waterfall approach to everything that we have, and it is it's very challenging the in the the systems of record space and ERP and, and spaces like that, and um, we have to get comfortable with some failure. And I think that's really important. Now, we're not going to fail on delivering a P&L and revenue. <laughs> there are some limitations. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's things where, right, let's, let's at least get it out there and see what people think. If you're building an intranet or, you know, let's get that in the valley, we call it the minimal viable product. And it, we can really learn a lot from our production engineering teams and product engineering teams and apply that to IT. And just like, let's get it out there. Let's, you know, let's, it's not, it, it can't be, you know, horrible and bad. It's got to have the right user experience and have the, have, you know, a solid foundation, but yeah, let's get it out there and, and see what people think. And then let's iterate and, and build on it. And, you know, I still see a lot of traditional IT people. They're looking for the ultimate blueprint and we'll spend six months on the ultimate blueprint and, you know, all of that. And it's that we can't move fast enough like that. So that's probably the biggest thing I think we need to unlearn. 
Yeah, and I think some people would be surprised that there is even a waterfall. You know, the Agile has been the mantra for 10, 15 years in the, the development space, right? But projects still in the large have a beginning, middle, and the end, right? Yeah. And so I think people look at it that way. But I think it's very interesting in telling what you said about that perfect blueprint. And this, you know, the, the traditional IT skill set was around engineering, right? It's about this careful planning because the company's counting on the system to run the business. And, right. and so, you know, there's risk management and governments and all these things that, that the end user doesn't understand has to go in, into it. But I think that we've perhaps over-invested on that, in that skill set and not enough into the, on, the, on the people skills, right? You know, this right. whole design thinking uh, around, um, you know, empathy for the user. So, you know, what are your thoughts? I, I think it was very interesting what you said about learn from product engineering. Right. Are you actually trying to take product engineering know-how and kind of move it more into the IT side? Yeah, so little things like like turning turning the conversation around to have product owners. And, you know, a product owner owns the life cycle of that product and they they bring teams together and we've done, it's different for different groups, but we'll bring teams together where a product owner will actually have business, business analysts and engineers in the one team. And, you know, they're not having to go across silos and speak to different managers and get everyone aligned. Like, no, you just own it. You own the life cycle of that product and you need to make it happen. And, you know, that, that gives some awesome accountability and it takes the, the conversation from an engineering conversation, like you said, to a product and business, um, business user engagement conversation. And so that's the goal. And I've been able to do it with some teams. Um, you know, it's a little harder if you're in Oracle ERP, um, but I still want a, that product ownership and, and just um, to keep driving. So that's one of the biggest things we've done and we've changed entire teams around and, you know, just little things. If, um, you know, you want to upset engineers, you got to you know, just tell them they can't sit where they're sitting and they've got to sit next to the analysts and they've got to sit with the product <laughs> owners, you know, and, they can't hide in the background. And, um, you know, you, we literally forced all these teams together and said, all right, guys, you're, you're all in this together. Let's make this work. Um, and we've had some success. We, uh, we've had some failures as well, but you need to do that to learn. Well, yeah, and I've talked to several uh, CIOs who, you know, in trying to implement things like Agile or DevOps, which is, the, you know, the other sexy topic of the day, yeah. Uh, it's fine. There's, there's those that are reticent and, and uh, it's not so much the training that isn't sufficient. It, it is, uh, you know, the holdouts, the people who, you know, have a hard time in adjusting their mindset. Uh, and so uh, we, we just had a, a, a comment uh, on Twitter from Jeff Susna. Um, oh, Jeff. Yep. Yeah. Author of Designing Delivery. Um, and he commented that explaining, this is your comment about, you know, tell them why we have to move faster. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is, and I agree with that completely. If people understand the motivation for something, they can get on board more easily. But he said it's not sufficient. He said you also have to guide them uh, through, the, with, through experience, right? So make them uh, walk the walk. Um, and and I've, I've seen this too, is it, you know, until uh, they've been in the trenches with you, they can't really understand. Um, what are your thoughts on that? No, I agree. Um, the, the why is just the start. And, then, and I think that's the, the trick if you don't start with the why. Um, yeah, you're, you're starting on the wrong foot, really. And uh, so, yeah, helping to, to work, step everyone through that and work through experiences. And the more knowledgeable people you have, that helps that whole conversation. It's like, look, we tried it here. Here's what happened. 
it failed miserably. So here's, you know, here's why we need to do it this way. Um, that definitely helps that conversation for sure. Yeah, no, exactly. So, so what do you see as the big shifts, uh, Ben, in today's IT operating environment, right? What's, what's coming in and kind of just wrecking all the chess pieces? Uh, is it uh, mobility? I'm, uh, uh, you know, in previously in your position at Yahoo, uh, you know, Yahoo's been one of the few companies to get mobile right, if you ask me. Right. Um, but uh, most companies are being are, are getting everything upended, their Apple cart upended by uh, trying to go to mobile because it's hard, really hard. Mm -hmm. But there's now there's artificial intelligence and Internet of Things and, you know, uh, going to public cloud, although I suspect that's not a problem for you guys. What's what's really uh, you know, starting to get on your radar and forcing you to spend more attention than, than you might be ready for? Um, so the the mobile one is an interesting one. I, I feel like it's one area I'm, we're kind of failing at from the enterprise standpoint and it's, it's, it's grading me quite a bit because um, I came in here just over a couple of years ago and uh, just found a lot of hurdles from an enterprise perspective how to get mobile, um, which we are really powering towards and this is one of those things the catalyst of change now is like okay we have to bring all these applications together and our model now is mobile only like if it doesn't work on mobile this it's you're gonna have a, a real tough time getting that application cleared through um, the integration process so yeah, we start most, to, most people won't use that right i mean most people use mobile these days yeah the majority exactly so right so there's this awesome forcing function now where i've got to make sure our infrastructure is correct and um, you know, there's, there's going to be workarounds for Oracle doesn't work on a mobile device. It's horrible. Uh, but maybe it's not really designed to, and there's a, there's a certain class of worker that's okay because they're sitting in the front of their PC the entire day and that's all right. Um, so yeah, we're really starting to force that function on mobile. Uh, and our, our fallback will be web only. So you, you should be able to work through a browser and that, and, you know, potentially get to a Chromebook. Uh, only type experience and different groups, you know, will have different um, capabilities and opportunities to move to that model. Um, but that's, that's really where we're heading. The other big piece is probably no surprise is security. And it's been a really interesting journey for, for me personally, because I went through, you know, mid 2000s where IT was, uh, we were the department of no and you must use a BlackBerry because it's the only secure thing and you must be on the VPN and connecting to all our resources because that's the only secure way to do it. Um, went through the, the, you know, the, the startup of the whole SaaS space and that was gonna change the world and everything's on the internet and consumerization of IT. And I think we're in a, we're, we're not back, but we're in a very different security world right now when it comes to technology. And we have to be a lot more considerate about security and not regress all the way back to the department of no, uh, but we have to educate everyone in the company about, you know, there's, there's secure ways to do things these days. If you don't have two factor as a default, you should not be operating. You should not be a CIO as far as I'm concerned. If you're not mandating two factor authentication in your company, that's just a baseline. And then we, let's start from there. Um, so yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge for us right now is making sure our, you blend that end user experience. It's, it's, you know, we can't get back to the department of no, you have to blend that in a secure end user experience. And that's probably the, the biggest nut we're trying to uh, crack right now. 
Yeah, that, that cybersecurity, you know, which is, can be a career-ending event you know, for um, IT leaders, uh, that, you know, that is the, the, the tail that's wagging the dog. Um, mm -hmm. And if you look at the CIO priority surveys that always come out every year, the real priority at the very, very tippy top is that, is that security. We have to make it all safe and work. Right. Uh, but it tends to all of a sudden monopolize budget, time, attention, uh, and, and makes it hard to innovate. Uh, and so where does, what happens with things like shadow IT? We see that um, you know, an endless wave of new tools and technologies just kind of pouring over the, the firewall into our organizations. I, I have people call me up and say, we just did a survey and 20% you know, of our workforce is using WhatsApp to do, to, to do their work, right? And we have no control over that. What, you know, what do you do about all that? Yeah, it, look, it really starts with a lot of education. Uh, the security is not the CIO's responsibility. It's not the CISO's responsibility. Um, and I love CISOs because they, they help us and they hinder us, but it's a, we, ha we have to have a, this awesome partnership and, and work together um, and share that burden really of, of security. Look, it's a company problem. And if, if you want to be that person that brings in uh, that application that suddenly all your you know, employee data is now available on the internet because you went around policies, um, that's, you know, that's, you, <laughs> that's a risk you're taking and you have to, but you've got to go company wide. Like, like here's why it's back to here's why we need to be secure and here's why you need to do this. And we're doing our best to make, make it fast and, and, and deliver things as fast as we can in a secure way. So um, we're just starting though, because, you know, shadow IT to me is a, is a reflection on IT and that we're not doing what the company needs. And it's two-sided. There's, there's, there's factions or business groups in the company that just don't, they just want to do it themselves because they want to own it. And but that's also a bit of a reflection. It means we, we haven't built the right relationship. They don't understand how we can deliver and how we can help. Or there's history and you come into a 20-year-old company where IT hasn't delivered and you've got to rebuild that trust. And um, you rebuild that trust through executing and, and showing, like, here's what we can do. And if you make it easy enough for the business, I, I believe most of them don't, as long as they've got so many things to worry about, you can tick the security box, you can make their people productive. They're like, awesome, I can actually get onto running my business. Uh, so it's a complex beast we've got to, we've got to work through. Yeah, and so this brings us full circle. The, the title of this episode um, is Rethinking IT in the Exponential Era. And it's this exponential growth of, you know, tools and technologies and the standards that you were talking about earlier um, and the needs of the business, right, to move much more quickly. Can IT do it all? I mean, this is the question I'm seeing starting to ask is a little tiny department, you know, that's, that's consuming 5 to 7% of revenue to technology enable the entire business and the whole supply chain and meet all customer needs. Is that realistic? Uh, do we need to think of a new way of empowerment and enablement? How, how are you thinking about yeah. you know, dealing with that challenge. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's certain things we need to rethink. And uh, we're just starting this journey here now with the new company, which is awesome. But how do we provide platforms to enable people to be self-sufficient and, you know, give them data, think about internal APIs and, um, you know, putting these, 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 I guess they're large, but these secure platforms in place that people can then, 
like business intelligence is a big one. There's just data everywhere, you know. So how do we provide some data access tools and then enable analysts? Like we don't need to be writing reports. Like the days of IT report, writing reports are, are well and truly over. How do we get that data that we, um, we, we bless, you know, it's coming from the single source and all of those traditional enterprise data management um, governance happens. And then they can write the reports they want to write. And, you know, that's just one example, I think. Uh, you look at different platforms um, where, you know, how, how do we get, you know, Salesforce has tried to do it, but to me, they're kind of a, a pretty big legacy application. Now, I know they wouldn't like me saying that, but um, they're complex. But the, the declarative space, I still think there's some work to be done there where you can have these people building, um, you know, smaller applications, which are very departmental. Uh, in nature and it's solving their problem which IT like like so we don't have time to get to that departmental issue but how do you provide them guidelines and um, you know architectures and uh, guidance around yeah go go and build this app in this platform knock yourselves out we know it'll be secure and we give them wrappers around identity you know, identity is critical how to provide all these foundational wrappers so that they can be enabled um, uh, I don't have the answers. That's kind of where I think we need to be heading. And that's what I'm, I'm working through the team with on that. Yeah, no, and I, I don't think anyone has definitive answers. Uh, yeah. There's been some interesting success stories, things, you know, uh, like change agents or IT champions programs where, you know, they, you let them experiment or let them bring their shadow IT experiment in from the cold and you look at it and say, I'll make this safe and secure or no, I'll, exactly. I'll need to help you replace it. So I think there's some, there's some, there are some signposts that kind of show us where this is all going. Um, right. So, so, and you know, uh, one of the things that in your background, because you and I, have, you know, had a long uh, relationship in the industry, um, mm -hmm. I know that you know a lot about the digital workplace uh, mm -hmm. and things like collaboration, uh, and that's been changing a lot. And I know that you've kind of been on the forefront of that. How is that evolving uh, in 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 high tech organizations like yours right now? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, the fallacy of one collaboration platform is, is there, like there isn't, there is not one collaboration platform and to standardize a company of, uh, you know, 10 plus thousand people on one platform is a fool's errand, I believe right now. And it's really interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's holy walls. I call them over different tech tools. So we've got the Slack thing going on here and you have the hip chat camp and, now, everyone loves the tool that they want to use. And we actually built an integration platform to, I think we called it Super Chat. My, my team was a little hack thing they did to connect different chat platforms because, you know, one team was in HipChat, one was in Slack, and they liked it because they liked it. And there's different integrations into back-end tools and, you know, all of that. But they also wanted to be on the same conversation. So it's like, all right, how do we, how do we get the chat tools actually talking to each other? Um, so I think the collaboration space has, has really moved into that chat messaging uh, side of it. That, that's kind of risen to the top as what everyone wants to use. Um, but we're still buried in email. Um, there's still that reality. Um, you know, intranets to me, I've seen, uh, you know, really have, you know, they're, they're still just a, a place for people to go to get some really good information, but they're not, there's not a lot of social collaboration happening, I, I believe, in the internet space, at least in our company. It's still, 
Like I said, it's that destination to go to. Um, but everyone's really starting to focus on chat. And we're going to see that blow up um, because there's too many, there's an over, overflow of information. There's too many Slack channels. There's too many HipChat channels. And people don't know where to go to get information. It's going to be interesting to see just, you know, it's, it's sitting back a little bit and just watching that evolve because it's, IT can't sit there and go, well, here's how the company's going to collaborate. Let's throw it out there and they'll tell us how they want to collaborate. It's quite interesting. Now, so, I mean, and I run into this a lot in organizations because my background is also in digital workplace. And, and um, you know, the, the question is, you know, should we train workers to modulate their collaboration to be more efficient? You know, there's a, there's a saying yes. now, too much collaboration, too little collaboration, not, not good. You need to be right in the middle somewhere. Or is it a filter failure issue, as Clay Shirky famously said? Uh, and we and we want to capture all that information, but we need to just knowledge manage the knowledge better. What you know, where are we going? Because the, the fire hose is is a complaint I hear from everyone I talk right. to now. Look, I, I think it starts as a people problem at first, and and then you can solve it with some with some technology. Um, but you know, it's it's an interesting one because there's there's a lot going on and. There's a lot of really good conversation that be departmental, but even like the smaller groups and teams where that you know they're talking and, and just and just working. It's not a company-wide communication thing, I don't believe. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how much success we would have. I think I'd say if if people if you try to explain about you know why do you have to be blasting out all this information to everyone? Like who really needs to hear it? But it people are opting in. And so it's, it's a person's choice. If someone has their Slack channel and someone's interested, they're opting into that conversation. If they don't like it, they can opt out, you know, and, and, and filter that way. Um, but I still think we, we need to see how, how this evolves. It's going to be interesting. So it sounds like you're, you're probably more on the side of, you know, some digital collaboration skills we need, need to teach in, these, in this much more you know, open communication era. Yeah, it's, it's an awareness, you know, where are people, what do people really need to hear? Um, and, but I, I do think the technical side will, will come into play for sure. Um, and like I said, the opt-in is, is uh, we have uh, many different, like I said, different channels here and I don't opt into a lot of them because I, I can't filter the amount of information. I don't know what's relevant. And it's kind of bad, but I, I have, some people that I say, look, I need you to monitor this and let me know if anything comes up mm -hmm. that I should be aware of. Yeah, and, and hopefully it won't be people in the future that will have these, you know, artificial intelligent agents that can can draw our attention to things that need to be need to be done. You know, the unblinking gaze, as it were. Yeah, so, no, uh, definitely. So, so that brings us to the next topic. So, collaboration is is a problem that most organizations are trying to get better at. You know, we have unengaged employees over half, and most organizations are just doing the least that they can. Yeah. Um, but how, how do we collaborate better with the business today, given that they have more needs and they also have more options to, to get IT? They don't have to go to you, Ben. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I suspect, uh, in, in, as in most organizations, they sometimes don't. Yep. But how can we get them more involved, come to us first? Um, and and, and when, when they do, how do we be responsive? Because it's the backlog issue. So you already got 50 projects and, you yeah. know, how do you, get, how do you service them? You know, this is what's driving the CMO away because they're often you know, at the bottom of the list because it's not considered mission critical. Right, right. So it's getting that organization alignment. And 
I have different uh, business teams at different stages and, and different levels of trust is really what it comes down to. And, and now it's all, we've got to start again for certain reasons because we have different leadership now in, in the merger and it's kind of interesting but also scary <laughs> um, yeah. to start rebuilding those trust levels. You build the trust by executing. So if you're in there and you, you're at, you know, everyone's trying to work together and you're executing, then I've I found the business don't, they don't mind. They actually prefer you to be helping. It's, it's where you don't have that trust and where you don't have that. Um, you've got to prove why you're doing it and how, how you can help. And, and that is people to people. You know, you've got to talk to people and, and work through it. And then there's also, once again, getting the company aligned. If, you know, an organization's wasting money and duplicative service to what we offer, um, you know, that's a pretty basic conversation. If we're doing it, if we're doing it right, and you know, there's money waste, people are always happy to have, you know, remove some opex and uh, not have those costs. So there's that's one angle we work through, and um, but I, I really look at my team to build those relationships and and really get into how can we help, and then. When you, you find departments that aren't funded uh, well enough, uh, sometimes we have money they don't, funnily enough, like, you know, uh, I, I want you, but there's a team I know that they were trying to do something. I'm like, well, that to me is 0.5 of an engineer and an analyst, and I can help you and make that happen. They're like, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, because we, you know, we have the machine and we have it all working. Uh, we can slot that into a sprint, and they're amazed. Um, but then there's also joint efforts where I'm, I'm getting a lot of conversation is like, well, if IT doesn't do it, they're going to go and do it and cost the company more money. So why not fund IT to do it? And uh, we'll, do, we'll do it in, and it's in a lot better interest for the company. And, you, you know, you've got to start just getting those conversations. And like I said, Shadow IT is a reflection of IT predominantly not doing what the company needs. The fact is the company's spending money. Uh, to make that happen and so we need to prove we can do it better you know that's very interesting and i think that's telling that you know you're willing to sponsor business projects you, if you see the right opportunity you have the resources and presumably some maybe some new tools and technologies you'd love to pilot in a pilot in that area right um but you were talking about that, that it has to go deeper and mm -hmm. and i think this is a long-standing challenge and it is its own discipline right you know, it's kind of like asking a doctor who spent, you know, years and years and years accumulating this rarefied knowledge in this, in this special area to also learn to do something else, right? So this is what IT always has to do. It has to learn the technology and then has to learn the business too. Right. And I see a lot of IT people are reluctant, but we see in all the, all the new job skill breakdowns, you know, everyone's going to have to be more multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary, yeah. uh, be an expert in technology and the business. Is that really going to fly, though? I mean, are, is, are IT groups going to be able to make that move, or is there, is there you know, always going to be this resistance? Um, uh, what's the saying? Resistance is futile. <laughs> so, uh, look, I've seen, and, and I looked for, I look for business people first uh, over IT people, and um, a, a business person who understands IT uh, will be more successful. And it, it depends on the level, obviously. Mm -hmm. Business an engineer is an engineer. Yeah, maybe not the person to do your microservices architecture, but you know exactly, exactly. But especially when you look at senior leaders and um, 
people running business process and product even development uh, they they really it's harder to find a technologist who can flip up to the business space um, it depends on their training and background but you know a couple of my key leaders um, one came from marketing and ran you know all these different programs and customer experience and customer support and had a bent um, for IT and, and she was great at program management and project management and analysis. And now she's leading, you know, a massive IT team. And um, I've had many successes with bringing what I call business leaders in. And, um, but you have to have a blend. Like you said, you know, your microservice architecture, you know, it's a very specialized. Uh, so it's really, I guess, diversity within your team of the, the business IT leaders uh, is critical, absolutely critical to move forward. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very interesting. So uh, we're getting close to the, the end of the show. Um, and uh, uh, Tim Crawford, my good friend, um, you may be familiar with him, Ben. Oh, uh, Crawford. Uh, CIO expert. Uh, yep. Um, noted that it's the impact of consumer engagement and digital collaboration that will impact the corporate world. Mm -hmm. uh, do you agree with that statement? I mean, I, I see at the top of the list now, along with cybersecurity now, is customer experience is the other big conversation. Right. Um, you know, is, is that the right priority? I mean, what, what, should, what should IT leaders be focusing on if you can generalize in that way? So we really have a duality here because we have internal customers. And there's, I, there's been all these arguments. Of, yeah, we, we are business partners, uh, but we are providing a service as well, right? And we have to partner. We have to think about that internal customer experience. And, and how is that um, helping the company and, and helping the groups work together? And then, yeah, externally facing for sure, it, it really is. And for us as, you know, we are a digital company in all intents and purposes, everything we do is, is internet-based. And so that is a major critical high, high priority of what is that engagement? And um, like you said earlier, the mobility apps and um, all of that type of stuff. So yeah, I, I think it is, I, I really do. And so it kind of brings that going to back to rethinking IT. If we talk about the role of the CIO uh, and where it's going, and we, we look at consumer uh, engagement or customer experience, is the CDO and the CMO largely going to carry that away and be responsible for that? And the CIO get everything else. I see some of that, and then I also see everything rolling back over to the the CIO. That this yeah. uh, that all this gets gets uh, uh, you know dotted line back to the CIO anyway. Right. What do you see as the, as the general trend? Yeah, I, I think the general trend as as you you either get the right CIO, CIO in place or you get um, the, the the incumbent really steps up to it. Um, there's just this underlying technology um, gap, we'll call it, that uh, we are you know well versed in that the the marketing people aren't, and and for for a a CMO to be successful, you have to have an extremely strong partnership at the CIO level and, and enable that. Otherwise, you create a, you have a very big problem of creating a really big silo that um, you know, is, is, won't be as successful if you have the right collaboration in place. CDO, to me, I, I, see, I see CDO and CIO kind of evolving. Um, and to me, there's, there won't be much difference between a CDO and a CIO, um, and 
Now, maybe that's a logical step. CIOs, if, if you're the right type of CIO, you do become a CDO. And it's, it's mm -hmm. really that final piece of that puzzle. Like I said before, we've, we've worked through finance, we've, we've worked through sales and we've digitized all that. Now we're going to consumers. And, you know, maybe that's the evolution of CIO really is you are now CDO as you bring in that, that true end, end user um, consumer experience into that group. But every yeah. organization is going to be different, right? Well, and I've actually gone on record saying I think that's what's going to happen. And now we're seeing it happen. We have folks like uh, David Chow, uh, who's just recently got the CDO role added to CIO. Alexander Bachelman at Unica Insurance, same thing. He recently got the CDO role added to the CIO role, his title. So I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen uh, for reasons that are too complicated to go into here. But um, so final question, Ben, um, and, I, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for you. You've been a CIO at a lot of top organizations. Um, so thinking back, pulling back into all that experience and all the current trends and issues that you're facing right now, what updated pieces of advice would you have for CIOs just getting into their role today? Um, have a respect for what's happened, but don't focus on it. <laughs> so, you know, and if, if you've been lucky to have to, enough to have the right leaders that you've, you've been mentoring, uh, with um, that's great but you know really we're, we're changing we're evolving and if, if you've been in the IT space for 10 years it's extremely different now so look outside your organization and look at uh, what different companies are doing and the you you have to network you have to see you know where everyone's at because what you might be thinking oh wow this is crazy uh, to do x but there's 10 other companies that already already done it and you're oh okay that's not that bad at all look across industries and you know have a look at what different industries are doing and i've now this is my third i guess industry that i've been in and it's very different how they operate there's there's a lot of similarities though and um so you know have a look at what's happening out there um don't buy the the marketing hype from the enterprise software vendors like they're there to do a job and sell you something um, make sure you understand how that fits into your vision and what their vision is. And, um, you know, there's the, you've got to be responsible for, for that outcome and not just listen to the architecture coming out of some organizations. But that's probably some of the big, big topics. Yeah. I, I, the one that really resonated with me is, is this, this openness, willing to learn from others that have gone before you, because yeah. uh, almost no one's a unique snowflake anymore. There's, there are yeah. some, you know, battle-hardened people who are further down on the journey and, and you have to find and listen to them so uh, and see what they've learned. Yeah. So great. Oh, well, Ben, thanks so much for making time uh, in your busy schedule. I know you got some crazy things going on with all the changes in your organization and your new role. Um, I, I hope that uh, that goes well and, and I'd love to have you back on in a, a year or so to maybe tell us, give us an update on how all that's gone. From, um, cool. So I um, appreciate that and, and thanks for being on CXO Talk. Cool. Thanks, Tom.